This is episode number 43. Welcome to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast. My name is Andrea Samadhi. I'm a former educator who's been fascinated with understanding the science behind high-performance strategies in schools, sports, and the workplace for the past 20 years. The next three episodes will be solo lessons to dive deeper into Dr. John Medina's episode number 42 that I could probably spend the next year on. For those who have not read his Brain Rules book or would like a quick review, I'll outline the rules briefly and thoughts on why they're so important to implement into your daily life with some applicable strategies. Here are Dr. John Medina's Brain Rules. If you click on the link in the show notes, you'll be taken to his website and you can watch a video on each rule. I also highly recommend reading the book because there's just so many more examples that will bring these rules to life. Rule number one, exercise boosts brain power. Did you know that aerobic exercise just twice a week halves your risk of general dementia? It also cuts your risk of Alzheimer's by 60%. I also heard this from Dr. Daniel Amen in his Thrive by 25 online course, where he talks about a recent study that vigorous aerobic exercise over a 12-week period was just as effective for those suffering from depression as taking an antidepressant. This class talked about the fact that aerobic exercise like brisk walking, swimming, running, and cycling seems to solve every brain or health problem. The solutions were always to improve your diet and add aerobic exercise. This should be incentive enough for everyone to be sure they're moving at least three times a week for at least 20 minutes. And that's what Dr. Medina would say will have an impact on your brain and improve cognition, problem solving, and emotional regulation. I found it interesting that he mentions that strength training did not improve cognition in the studies, but I still think both strength training and aerobic exercise are important to do on a weekly basis, regardless of whether one is making you smarter or not. The latter will definitely make you stronger, and it's important to include as we get older. Rule number two, survival. The brain evolved too. I'm sure by now you've heard that the brain's main function is to keep us safe, something that's been built in for our survival. If we think about evolution and the survival of the fittest, what happened with the human brain when it evolved and adapted over time was that the brain got smarter with evolution, not stronger. We can clearly see how the human brain and cognition is vastly different from other animals. The human brain consists of three main parts, the hindbrain that developed first that keeps us breathing, the midbrain that keeps us alert and where our emotions are stored, and the last part of our brain to develop, the forebrain that holds the most power with our thinking, reasoning, emotional regulation, and cognitive functions. Our ability to think and reason is what separates us from the animal kingdom and a feature of our brain that we shouldn't waste or take lightly. Since we have this unique ability, I think it's our responsibility to pay attention to this important part of our brain and continue to develop and improve our thinking and reasoning skills. Rule three, wiring. Every brain is wired differently. The experiences that you have in your life, what you do and learn in life physically changes what your brain looks like. It literally rewires it. This explains why we're all different and no two people's brains store the same information in the same place. 
This rule is important to understand since each person we interact with throughout our life will be different with their life experience. We have to learn to read and understand people better, and this can be done with the theory of mind skills that we'll investigate at a deeper level in a future episode. We cannot ignore the fact that every student's brain, every employee's brain, every customer's brain is wired differently. Eric Kandel, an Austrian-American medical doctor who specialized in psychiatry, who was also a neuroscientist, won the Nobel Prize in Physiology in 2000 for his discovery that a single neuron in a sea slug can grow new axons and dendrites, and that when people learn something, the wiring in their brain changes. This explains why my brain will be completely different from your brain. We all have different life experiences that will build and shape our brains. The key is to learn how to interact with and honor our individual differences. Rule number four, attention. We don't pay attention to boring things. I'm sure you've heard that audiences check out after 10 minutes or that the brain can only focus on one thing at a time, making multitasking a bad idea. The funny thing is that although you may have heard of the fact that the average person's attention span is shorter than that of a goldfish, there's no evidence that human attention is shrinking or that goldfishes have particularly short attention spans either. We do know that when audiences are checking out after 10 minutes, we can grab their attention back by telling narratives or creating events rich in emotion. Emotions help build memories and help them form and stick So if you want to make your next presentation or lesson memorable, the best way is to somehow connect with your audience or class with a story that they connect to on an emotional level. This activates the mirror neurons in your audience and they'll listen, connect with you, and trust you on a deeper level. Rule number five, memory, short term, repeat to remember. This rule explains why we must repeat something in order to remember it or at least to pull it out of our short-term or working memory. There are two types of memory. There's declarative for facts and non-declarative for things that we find difficult to explain, like how we ride a bicycle or something we do but can't explain it. We're gonna take a look at declarative memory. Declarative memory follows three stages of processing. There's the encoding part. We take in information. It's like a blender running with the lid off. The information is literally sliced into pieces as it enters our brain, it's splattered all over the insides of our mind. We remember things much better the more elaborately we encode or convert what we encounter, especially if we can personalize it. For example, if I wanna remember a phone number, something we don't need to do often these days, but try to associate pictures or images with each number to be sure you encode the numbers in your mind. I've heard this method called memory by ridiculous association. The crazier the image you put with each number, the easier it will be for your brain to remember it. You would think that making this elaborate story in our heads would be more work for our memory system, but it is not. More complexity means greater learning. After it's gone through the encoding stage, there's the storing stage. The neurons in the cortex, or the outer part of the brain, are deeply involved in permanent memory storage. Memories are not stored in one place like we'd imagine, like on our computer. They're actually stored all over the surface of the cortex. Then there's the retrieval of information 
which can be improved if you're able to replicate the conditions to the initial encoding. You remember best if you can put yourself in the same environment for where you first put it into your brain. We also remember information best when it's elaborate, meaningful, and contextual. So providing real-world examples to anything you want to remember is important. Rule six, memory long-term. So this rule, remember to repeat. We know that most memories disappear within a few minutes, and we often forget what we've learned in class after 30 days. So how can we guarantee information be retained in our long-term memory? The best strategies we've heard in other episodes were with Dr. John Donlosky and his idea of spaced repetition. We learn best and remember when we repeat what we want to learn in intervals or by using spaced repetition. Rule seven is sleep. Sleep well and think well. I'm sure you've heard that loss of sleep hurts attention, executive function, working memory, mood, quantitative skills, logical reasoning, and even motor dexterity. Staying up late and scrimping on sleep is no longer the in thing to do when it comes to productivity and results. There are even hundreds of sleep apps that you can get and use and see how you're sleeping. They log your REM sleep, deep sleep, light sleep, and they can give you a score and show you how mentally sharp you will feel the next day based on that score. Dr. Medina agrees that people vary in how much sleep they need. But circadian rhythm expert, Dr. Sachin Panda explains that eight hours of sleep is not everyone's number, but aim to have seven to eight hours in bed, which means you can wake up and read or meditate and still be on track for a productive day. Rule number eight, stress. Stress brains don't learn the same way. We know there are three levels of stress response. There's that positive stress, which increases our heart rate. There's mild elevations in stress hormone levels. And it's what happens when we need to speak in front of a crowd, play a sport, take a test, or that nervous energy we feel before a job interview. This is not bad stress. It's actually good for us at times to motivate us to do the things we need to do. Then there's tolerable stress, which is serious temporary stress responses, but this stress can be buffered by supportive relationships. The key is to have a support system in place to help you get through this type of stress. The one that's most concerning is toxic stress, and that's prolonged activation of stress response systems in the absence of protective relationships. And this is the one we're most concerned about as an educator or as a parent, and it causes the most damage for us as well as for our students. Under chronic stress, adrenaline creates scars in your blood vessels that can actually cause a heart attack or stroke, and cortisol damages the cells of the hippocampus, crippling your ability to learn and remember. So we need to be sure that we have stress reduction strategies in place to help us deal with positive and tolerable stress and a plan in place if we have toxic stress in our lives. If we don't take control of our stress, it will definitely take control of us. Rule nine, sensory integration. Stimulate more of the senses. Did you know that we absorb information about an event through our senses and then translate it into electrical signals, some from sight, others from sound, and then we disperse these signals to separate parts of the brain, then reconstruct what happened, perceiving the event as a whole. 
Our brain relies on past experience when deciphering an event, and since everyone's brain is different, two people will have a different perception of the same event. Smells also have an unusual power to bring back memories because smell signals bypass the thalamus and head straight to their destinations, and smell directly stimulates the amygdala that in turn stimulates emotions. We do best if we can stimulate several senses at once since our senses work best paired together. If I want to improve my focus, I usually keep something like peppermint essential oil nearby so I can focus when I'm writing or doing something new like this lesson. We've seen this phenomenon in department stores that pair scents with the shopping experience to boost sales, or even the fact that some stores like Starbucks won't allow their employees to wear perfume because it would distract customers from the smell of coffee. Either way, the more we can have a multi-sensory experience, whether in school or the workplace, the more we can improve our results. Rule 10, vision. Vision trumps all other senses. Vision is by far our most dominant sense, taking up half of our brain's resources. And what we see is only what our brain tells us to see. Information hits the retina in the eye, and depending on the wavelength of light, will depend on the color that our brain's visual center sees. Each eye takes in a slice of the visual world, which is processed in the opposite brain hemisphere before integration into a coherent image. If you want to strengthen your neural networks for your vision, neurologist Richard Rustak suggests to closely observe all facets of objects like a bonsai tree, since there's so much for the eye to see. Rule 11, gender, male and female brains are different. Did you know that men's and women's brains are different structurally and biochemically? Men have bigger amygdala and produce serotonin faster, and women and men both respond differently to stress. Women remember emotional details easier, not because they are more emotional, but because they perceive their emotional landscape with more data points or detail and see it in greater resolution. Rule 12, exploration. We are powerful and natural explorers. Babies are the model of how we learn, not by passive reaction, but by active testing through observation, hypothesis, experiment, and conclusion. Google actually allows their employees time for this exploration, and they call it 20% time, where they can let their minds wander and think, and this is where products like Gmail and Google News came from. Mark Robert Waldman, one of the leading neuroscience researchers in the country, explains it's crucial for the creative process. When you're able to let your mind wander, you'll have flashes of insight that you've got to write down and then investigate or explore the idea when you're in a more focused state. To integrate these brain rules in your life, I suggest picking just one to work on and focus on at a time. Think of the goals you're currently working on and pick one rule that you think will help you to see things in a different way. Think about any of the brain rules that you've already integrated into your daily routine. For brain rule number one, I can clearly see how exercise boosts brain power. I make sure I integrate aerobic activity into my day, especially when I need to write or create something new. Without this rule, I would have a hard time focusing or even sitting still, let alone write anything. The more brain power I need, the more exercise I get. Rule number seven, the sleep rule, is something I'm always working on. Using a sleep app has helped to log my sleep and see how I'm improving on a day-to-day -day basis. 
I liked hearing from the sleep expert that eight hours of sleep isn't something that we must all get, but aim to get about seven to eight hours in bed so we can wake up and meditate, and that can be included in our rest time. I highly recommend reading the book, watching the videos that go with each chapter, and then write down a couple of strategies you'll implement right away for each rule. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.